Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Snap Out of It Radio Network. Hear all our great shows across the world. Join our community at snapoutofitradionetwork.com. So wake up, stand up, and snap out of it. Empowered Love with author, self-mastery coach, and relationship expert, Melanie Tanya Evans. Take back your power, heal your soul, and set yourself free. Free through Empowered Love. And now your host of Empowered Love, Melanie Tanya Evans. Hi everyone, I'm Mel and welcome to the show again. Great all of you people tuning in and look, you know, thank you so much for the feedback that came through during the week about uh, the amazing Gemma that was on the show last week and, you know, she's been an inspiration to a lot of people and a lot of people really got behind her story and because I'm so inspired about that and interacting with you guys out there that next week what I really want to do is I want to open the lines and I'm going to be putting this out in newsletters and through Facebook and the social networks but I really want you guys to come forward and really um, I'd like a few of you on and we can talk about what you're wanting to work through whether it be codependence or relationship addiction or you believe that you might be in a relationship with a narcissist because you know the great story is every time we're working and sharing and empowering through this stuff your story is another woman's story and this is what it's all about for us is really about standing up and taking back our power and really um, bringing ourselves out of that darkness and that fear and, and sharing and just spreading all that beautiful energy and empowerment with each other because, you know, that's what it's all about for us ladies is, is getting it right and helping each other. So I had a great time doing last week's show and I'm going to have a great time doing this week's show because I was so excited when I stumbled across Lisa Scott because Lisa and I have a lot in common. We've both been with high-level narcissists. We've both written books about it. And we're both advocates about really getting out there and, and sharing the awareness and the knowledge of uh, people really waking up to this and becoming aware of this because, you know, and I know Lisa would agree with me here that when you don't know about narcissism and you run blindly into it, you are way out of your depth. So that's why we're bringing education through. So it's going to be so, so exciting. But anyway, Lisa is the author of the book, When It's All About Him. Lisa's got a master's degree in human resources. And I'll tell you what, she's got a master's degree in narcissism now. And studying and practicing HR gave her a unique perspective on human behavior. So she's had the experience of falling for two pathological narcissists. And this is what led her to become inspired to write the book, It's All About Him. And Lisa advocates that narcissism permeates every facet of personal relationships, including work relationships. And hear, hear to that, because narcissism is a major problem on our planet. And Lisa connects to people through her book in a way that helps them understand the narcissist in their life. And, you know, I firmly believe that we've all been with one or we know of one, 
because it's very, very common. And Lisa and I are going to be discussing today narcissism, which is one of my you know, most uh, empowered favorite topics. How to identify narcissism, why narcissists seek relationships, and why women stay in relationships with narcissists. So welcome, Lisa. Thank you for having me, Mal. It's great to be here. Yes, and I do. I feel like you're a bit of a, a narcissist sister with me. Yes, <laughs> we are. We're like soul sisters. <laughs> we are. We absolutely are. So, you know, let's get into it because this is a dynamite topic and it's one that people really, really need to know about. Absolutely. And especially women. You know, awesome. we can be... Mm-hmm. Yeah, women, we can be so, so susceptible to this. Most, most definitely. So, okay, so Lisa... In your opinion, what is a narcissist? A narcissist is someone who has an overinflated, puffed-up ego, but is really insecure underneath it all. They, you know, need to be the loudest person in the room, the center of attention. It's actually the enemy of real self-esteem. It's very important to distinguish the difference between narcissism and healthy self-esteem. Narcissism is the enemy of self-esteem. It's something that looks like the real thing, but it's not. They overcompensate for their insecurity. Mm. And, and there's, and, yeah, look, that, there's several characteristics. Yeah. The characteristics um, basically, you know, of a narcissist is somebody who is always right. You know, <laughs> they need to be in control. Uh, they're obsessed with their image. That's because they don't have a real sense of self. They disconnected from themselves a long time ago, and so they seek outside validation in order to feel alive. Without that validation, they feel dead inside. So you'll find that a narcissist wants to get a reaction out of you, good or bad. It doesn't matter if it's good or bad. He just needs you to react to him. <laughs> and that's that way so they true. feel alive. Mm-hmm. That's so true. And look, Lisa, you know, you're so right about that, is mm-hmm. that they don't have that sense of self and they've always got to be right and they've always mm-hmm. got to be validated. And yeah. But, you know, at the start, it's tricky, isn't it? Because I remember with my ex-N, the, the big N in my life, mm-hmm. I remember when I first met him, he actually came across as very humble. Oh, And he came across, mm-hmm. you know, initially I thought, wow, this guy is so That's humble. It all. What a beautiful peripheral. He really gets other people's opinions. Oh, yeah. That was actually one of the things that really drew me to him. Me too. And it, me too. Yep. yep. In my situation, it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And and it's only when you get down the track and you that start you see seeing. The colors. Yeah. Yeah. In the, yeah. in the beginning, they emulate emo- emotions better than anyone. Narcissists make great actors they study human emotions and they emulate emotion they they know it's not normal not to feel they literally have no ability to feel empathy or compassion or feelings for anyone they know this is not normal and so they study other people's behavior and they mimic that behavior in order to win you over they're like classic con artists if you will and in the beginning my ex-husband who was the big narcissist in my life really swept me off my feet in a way I thought he was more compassionate and more in touch with himself than any guy I've ever met. And, you know, eight years later, it turns out it was the complete opposite, but it took me so long to figure out what was going on, which is 
what led me to write this book, and you know, which is why we do the things we do because we don't want people banging their head against the wall for a decade trying to figure out what's wrong with this man. But yeah, they there's some flags in the beginning, but it's very hard to tell. I I I, I tell people one of the things is if he's too good to be true, question it. Spot on. I agree mm-hmm. totally because yeah. they show up like that. Yeah, the, I mean, they're everything you want. You've always wanted. Everything you've always wanted. Right. I think they actually study you uh, in the beginning, figure out what you want, and then become that character and, you know, basically play that character for you. And when someone is everything you ever wanted, you've got to question it. And do you know, Lisa, I've actually been really lucky to get into the mind of the narcissist and actually get the feedback on that. You're spot on correct. Mm -hmm. I've had some narcissists that have hit huge narcissistic injury and they've come forward and they've wanted some help and it didn't last long. It really didn't. Mm -hmm. But in that point of total brokenness and despair, Mm -hmm. they, they all actually said to me that when they got with their partner, Mm-hmm. that they were going through all of this with, that they absolutely did know, they picked her purposefully, mm-hmm. and they absolutely knew exactly what she wanted to hear and yeah. how she wanted him to behave to win yeah. her over. Yeah. And they did it. And they, they do. They play on all of your emotions. They know exactly what you want. They're brilliant con artists. I mean, some of the most infamous people in... in you know, in history, our, our con artists that have swindled, I mean, if you look at even current events, Bernie Madoff is a perfect example of somebody who, you know, just is a pathological narcissist. He conned all those people out of money, and they do so brilliantly, and they, they win your affections, they win your trust, and they are just completely opposite of who you think they are. And when you realize that, it's a, it's very upsetting. The wake-up call is it's a crashing blow. <laughs> Look, it is, and it's very hard to get out of. And I think what happens, you know, if we can talk about like psychic space or emotional space, I know with the narcissist, because you feel this intense trust, it's like this person gets me Mm -hmm. on a a deeper level than any man ever has. So you open up all of that space, you let down all of those barriers and you feel like you could trust your absolute life, every emotion, every feeling, every uh, vulnerability you've ever had, you feel like it's in a safe chance Mm -hmm. and it happens very quickly, doesn't it? It's a whirlwind, yeah. I mean, they sweep you off your feet. And the other thing is they want you to tell them everything because what they do is later they use those things against you. They're brilliant manipulators. They know how to brainwash you. And they will use all of that information to push your buttons and to keep you around later when you start to question the relationship. But it does move fast. It moves at lightning speed. Um, Another sign that I tell people uh, in the beginning of a, a relationship that maybe a clue is that they are overly possessive early on in the relationship. Very early on, they're calling regularly. They want to know what you're doing. You know, They have a sense of uh, right to know what you're doing at all times, and you've just started dating. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and how they can sort of, I know with my ex in, well, actually, I've had two ends, like you, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And... The second one I really didn't fall for and I got boundaries up and, you know, I got yeah. rid of it within a, a certain amount right. of time. Thank goodness. Yeah. The first N 
what he did was he said to me, you know, he said the perfect world, the perfect relationship, the perfect gloriousness, it's you and me. Like it, it felt like it was you and me against the world really. Uh-huh. You know, we have this nirvana, we have this idealized incredible romance going right. on and right. we're so into each other we don't need anything else right so yeah. you know and i fell for that oh sure <clears throat> they know exactly what to say to get you very into it's like a relationship you've never experienced so it feels like it ha it can't be anything else but uh, you know intense love and and you know, you may. I did love my ex-husband. I loved him. He did, he's incapable of love, and, and he did not reciprocate those feelings. But in his own way, I know deep down he loved me. But it's sad because they can't love. But the thing of it is, is that relationship they sweep you into. It's more of a high because they are just so charismatic and exciting and they say things like you said like it's us against the world and and they're usually very deep and and, and appear to be introspective and so they kind of take you on this this ride where you're 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 all of your senses are heightened and you believe like wow this is what love is because you've never felt that way before but what you're dealing with is somebody who's actually manipulating you because they want to gain control of you and once they gain control of you you know, they slowly tear away at, at everything you are and every, everything you thought you were because you lose your sense of self after being with someone like this for so long because eventually they do turn into um, very subtle, emotionally abusive people that need to control you at all times, and that's really why we warn people against them. Mm, and that's why, you know, I say, because I, I do dating coaching yeah. with women, I say, you know, the protection against the narcissist really, and they're they're prolific out there, there's a lot of it out there, is when, you know, you connect or you feel this connection, lay boundaries, don't be always available, retain your life, retain your friends, because the thing is, if a narcissist can't enmesh with you quickly, he's all for instant gratification, he's not going to hang in there. No, he'll move on. He'll move on. If you don't completely... He'll move on if you don't do it. Mm-hmm. He wants you to make him the center of your universe. He wants to get in the way of your friendships with others. He doesn't okay. want you to have other outlets or other relationships because then that means you're not as dependent on him as you should be. So yes. it's really good advice and to he's not... women. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's not going to get that narcissistic supply 24-7, mm-hmm. which is... You know, so if you are with a guy that, and you're actually putting energy and attention into other areas of your life, which is very healthy, and healthy guys want that. Yeah. Healthy guys don't want you all over them 24 7. Yeah, sitting around wondering what they're doing every second. They want you to have a life, exactly, but a narcissist is not. Yes, yes, exactly. And that's that's another reason why, that's another reason why I think for women, especially young women, I mean, I was 22 when I met my ex husband. I think that's another reason why we get so swept up into it because a healthy guy wants you to have a life and have other interests. And so that's a very healthy way to date and you should maintain all of your interests when you date. But a narcissist basically kind of just wants to just take over. You know, your entire needs to be with you every minute of the day. And a lot of women, I know I did, I mistook that for, oh, my God, he's so in love with me. He needs to be with me every minute of the day. And this is this is the kind of, 
you know, love I, I've always wanted or thought I wanted. And, and it's, it's not. It's pathological. Anyone that wants to be with you from day one, every day, in and you know, <laughs> there's an issue there. You've got to question it. Yeah, so. and you know what, Lisa? There, I fell for that at 34. Mm-hmm. Yeah, know. I think you can and at any age. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh my God! And there's yeah. women out there, you know, especially too. There's because you, you know, you were obviously quite young, but there's a lot of women that have had problematic uh, love relationships, and they can be in their 40s and their 50s, and mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden this knight in shining armor comes blazing in. Oh yeah, and, he's uh, amazing. Yeah, That's how they yeah. Portray themselves. yeah, yeah. It's very heady stuff, isn't it? Yeah, and it's it's, it's just it's, so upsetting because they really do prey on vulnerabilities. I, I, you know, a lot of women on my message board talk about, oh, you know, how did I fall for this, and how did I, you know, how could I be so foolish? And I always tell people, you, you cannot beat yourself up. A narcissist typically looks for someone who is very compassionate and very caretaking and nurturing and very independent on their own right because a narcissist isn't going to give you much. Once you settle down with a narcissist, you're expected to give, 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 and all they do is take. So they they can't handle a woman that's too needy, but yet they do want to find somebody that is you know, um, a, a relationship nurturer, somebody that will is looking for a relationship. And so they prey sometimes on vulnerabilities, especially when women are coming out of broken relationships. Yeah. And it's yeah. sad. It's, it's, and uh, they're all good at really sidling up with women that, you know, on the surface, in a, in a practical financial way, women that have got their act together, because a narcissist does not want to be caretaking somebody who, no. you know, Financially or whatever hasn't no got way. the right. In, mm-hmm. in fact, he's going to really he's because they feel so entitled. They're going to go yeah. for your resources. Oh, they don't they don't get involved with anyone unless they see something they can get out of the relationship. And so they do yep. not go for women that don't have resources or don't have money. I mean, they're going to go for somebody that they can get something from. They always see they always see relationships as an opportunity to get something. And so if they find a woman that has a lot of money, they are going to, you know, totally take take that on. I mean, they they will they will definitely capitalize on that for sure. Mm-hmm. And this is why, you know, so many women that I work with, you know, and it, it is, it's soul shattering for them because they say, you know, look, I'm intelligent. I've always yes. been from my businesses. I've been yes, good at my yes. job. I've been, yes. you know, I'm, everybody thinks I'm strong and I'm intelligent. Right. And How did this happen? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it yes. happened. And that's and what I tell people. Right. I, I, I try to tell people it happened because you had everything that they wanted and everything they could gain from you. And and so, you know, you shouldn't beat yourself up for falling for it because who wouldn't? I mean, somebody comes on yeah. strong and seems so wonderful and puts on this brilliant act, and they are wonderful actors. And, you know, I'm, I guess my biggest, one of my biggest flaws, although I don't want to turn it into something that I'll, you know, that I'll change too much is I'm very trusting and I like to believe the good in people. I like to see the good in everything. And I think that's often a trait that women who are easily susceptible to narcissists have is that you want to believe in people. And it's unfortunate when somebody does take advantage of you because it does start to, you know, chip away at your faith in others. Um, and, And women need to understand why narcissists get involved in relationships. 
Just yeah, one of the can you share about that, please? Yeah, I, I think that it's important for people to understand that because narcissists are really incapable of, of love, the genuine emotion of love. Narcissists have uh, primal gut feelings. Those are the only feelings they experience, which are anger and fear. And they, they experience those feelings very much so. They're, they're just survival of the fittest instincts that we all have. Unfortunately, they don't have any of the feelings that make us uniquely human because they never evolved. The feelings that make us uniquely human are compassion and empathy and love. And so at about age five or six, the narcissist disconnects from himself and gets stuck at that age where he thinks the world revolves around him and mommy and everybody else should take care of them. He never learns that others have needs and never learns how to feel for others. And so what what that means is you've got a person who's disconnected from himself and they seek validation from others in order to feel alive because they have no true sense of self and they seek relationships for the sole purpose of having their ego stroked and having someone present to cater to their needs. That's the only reason they get involved in relationships. They want you to stroke their ego on a daily basis, tell them how wonderful they are and they need you to cater to their needs. And that's it. That's the only reason they get into relationships. But we don't see that in the beginning until they have, we have settled down with them, we've married them, and, and we're starting to wonder, well, wow, in the beginning everything I did was so wonderful and great, and now I feel like I'm being criticized for everything. I can do nothing right, and nothing is good enough, and all I do is give, 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 and there's no reciprocity. And it really, it, it, the reason they entered that relationship is to have you stroke their ego. It's, it's narcissistic supply. And yes. narcissistic supply, you know, comes in two forms. There's primary supply and there's secondary supply. And this is important. about that? Yeah, this is important yeah. for people to understand. I didn't understand this at first, and it really was eye-opening for me. Because, you know, when, when, you, when a narcissist first pursues you, he is consumed with winning your love. So you you do feel like the center of his world and it's wonderful for however long it takes for him to secure your love. And once you settle down, things change drastically and you become this secondary person in his life and everything else is primary. And what I mean by that is um, there's two types of narcissistic supply and su- narcissistic supply is attention. A narcissist is addicted to getting attention from others. It's the only thing, as I said, that makes them feel alive. So any type of adoration or attention, that's what makes them feel alive. But there's two types. There's primary narcissistic supply, which is the ever-changing dynamic supply that they get from the outside world on a daily basis. It's always changing. It differs every day, and that is what they prefer. They like that exciting new source of supply. That's what they crave. That's what they're addicted to, and they always need new sources of supply in order to feel alive. And if I can just interject there, hence why, you know, they're that great guy to the outer world. They're always helping. They're doing. They're shining. They're they're doing everything and anything to be thought of as wonderful, amazing, intelligent, attractive, exactly helpful. Yes, because they want that adoration. They want that validation. Without it, they feel dead. So, yes, they're always looking for ways to be admired or in the spotlight. And they want that new, they want a new source all the time. Now, now the, the thing of it is, is every narcissist, because they are so, because they are insecure and they need to have someone validate them at all times, they cannot 
they're not comfortable going through life without having a significant other there as a backup form of supply. So in case they don't get enough of enough attention or supply from the outside world, they need to know that at any moment they can turn to a backup form of supply. And that backup form of supply, unfortunately, is their significant other. This is why narcissists get married, because they need to know that at any moment they can turn to this person who will remind them of how wonderful they are, especially history. They like that history of someone who knows, especially they knew them when they were a star football player back in the day. It's like this person knows how great I am and can retell these stories to other people. And so what's so upsetting for the significant other is they go from being completely idealized, like on this pedestal in the beginning of a relationship, to totally devalued, discarded, criticized, and abused once you settle down with the narcissist because all they care about is getting primary supply and you're just there should the outside world fall short of their expectations for the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I also, you're so right. You're so right. And I also see that as true, you know, in the initial beginning Mm -hmm. because you are idolizing them. They're amazing. They're intelligent. You see all this incredible stuff that they're very, very good at because, you know, they're mining supply their whole life. So they're very good at a lot of different things. Yeah. And, but then when you start seeing the cracks Mm -hmm. and you start questioning, and, you know, and it can be, Yeah, and you start questioning, and then as soon as they start thinking, you're not idolizing me, oh my God, you're criticizing me, even if it's just a question, then you're the enemy. Oh, yeah. They perceive any question or any slightest, you know, criticism. They cannot handle any type of suggestions. They do not like to be questioned. They're always right. Uh, Yeah, you, you do not want to disagree with them. I mean... You'll see, when you do start disagreeing with them, which you should, you'll see their true colors come out. But that, yeah, they're not going to show that to you in the beginning. And if they do, just pay attention to it immediately. And that's right. And that false glamour that they're holding up to get you, because Mm -hmm. it's false, it can't hold. No. And the cracks do start happening. And then you do start questioning. Mm -hmm. And then as soon as you question... Well, you, then you're not giving me narcissistic supply. You're the enemy, and right. I'm going to despise you. Right. Oh, exactly. And so they become emotionally abusive, some even physical. I mean, they they really treat their significant others so poorly, and it, it is very, it, it's so difficult for a person to wrap their head around being idealized at one moment and completely devalued at the next because, you feel like you've done something wrong. And I know that's how I felt for many years. I kept saying, what did I do wrong? How did this relationship go so far off the mark? I mean, in the beginning, it it was wonderful. And what have I done to make this go awry? And you start beating yourself up. And because a narcissist is such a manipulator, every time you try to talk about something or try to point something out that he does, he is very quick to turn it around and, 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 and have you. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I would point something out my ex-husband that upset me and by the end of the conversation I was apologizing for whatever happened they have a way of turning things around that I don't know how they do it (laughs) but they do and you know women do this to men too if the female is a narcissist you know women do the same thing to their male counterpart and what's so upsetting is people get browbeaten and they get to such a point where they feel like they're 
you know, it's all their fault. And, and so that's why the education and the awareness building around narcissism is so important because people need to understand why these people enter relationships and what, the, you know, what they're, what, why it will never work. You either accept a narcissist for who he or she is and all of their emotional limitations or you move on. They are never, ever going to change. Yeah, and I totally, totally agree with that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and I agree. And I really think the thing is, too, that if there's more um, of us out there that are really understanding the narcissistic model right. and not taking it personal, right. it doesn't mean that you're unlovable or you're defective or you're mm-hmm. wrong or that you don't deserve. It's just yeah. you're with somebody that does not have the resources and the capacity. They're incapable you know, of feeling. hmm yeah, and and I know for me, you know, when I finally got that sorted, I really finally, you know, and I had a huge big recovery to go with with how, how low I got with it. Yeah. But when I really got to the point, this isn't personal. Right. This is who, it is what it is. Yeah. You know, exactly. because cause you do, you get so caught up in the memory of where did my perfect man go? Yes, yes. You hold on to that for years and you wonder, what did I do? Why did this change? What can I, you know, you do, you hang on to that and and you beat yourself up thinking you did something wrong. And, and really, it, his true colors coming out, it was absolutely inevitable. You just didn't know it was it was there. You didn't know what was underneath yeah. it all. And look, I know for so many women too, they have to go through that thing of, but, you know, I'm never going to feel a connection like that again. Mm-hmm. You know, but I've met other people and it's not like that. And I don't feel that that I did yeah. for the narcissist. And I say to them, you don't want to. I know, that exactly, exactly. It's not healthy. No, true love is not the fairy tale with your knight in shining on and coming through on a, on a beautiful white horse. It's right. not. It's healthy. It's safe. It starts with a friendship and respect. Right. It starts with getting to know a person and it dating at a, it a normal. Pace. It moves at a healthy pace. It's not lightning speed. <laughs> yes. You know, you, you don't consume. You, you don't become consumed with each other immediately. I mean, there's a there is like like we were talking about. There's some some bit of intoxication that comes along with falling for a narcissist that you can never replicate. But my God, I don't ever want to replicate it. It. It, no it, need to do all Yeah, and, and, but, but a lot of people, like you just pointed out, say, oh, but I miss that because I haven't felt that way with anyone. And it, it's like that's mm-hmm. not a healthy feeling. That's an, that's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a roller coaster, but, and it's a high, but it's not mm-hmm. healthy. It's mm. not healthy. You know, so. I remember saying to my ex-N, I said to him, I am so in love, I can't even see straight. Mm-hmm. That's and you I know feel. what? How correct was that? I was not seeing straight. That's such a good point. Yes, that is such a good way to describe it. You are not seeing straight. And they count on that and they rely on that because they don't want you to see straight because they are hiding something. And they are hiding yeah, something. Yeah, and really they're are. very, very... And they do, and they are very, very aware of what they're hiding. They know that they're defective. Yeah. They They know know. that they're damaged. Mm -hmm. They do. And and really interesting, you know, working with the narcissists that I did that came forward, and they they absolutely admitted every day I feel like a black, empty hole Mm 
of massive depression Mm -hmm. and I am trying to get every day it's it's a drug I have to get approval from I have to get it Mm -hmm. otherwise like I said they feel dead I mean my ex said things like you know like you said at moments where they've they've completely had you know such a breakdown that you see glimpses of their of of their real self comments yeah. like i go to work every day and i feel like a fraud you know yeah. oh i never understood why anyone would want to do something nice for someone i thought you just did things for other people in order to look good like truly cannot understand why people enjoy giving no comprehension of that no comprehension of what that's like um i agree and they actually do look at look at you through the lens of how they feel about themselves Mm -hmm. so and that's when the narcissist starts accusing you of you know i remember with my ex then he used to say you know you give talks and you do the work you do Mm -hmm. just so people will bow and scrape to you and and you know, and I was, and of course, mortified, hooked yeah. in, justifying, right. crying, trying to prove my innocence, mm-hmm. you know. Right. But really, what he was doing was Protect. saying to me how was his model of how he behaved and how he felt about the world. Absolutely, that is what they do. They are, they project all the time. They project how they feel onto you, and they, you know, they. It, they're relentless. They are relentless. It's very exhausting to be in a relationship with a narcissist. And what's so difficult is that you're in this relationship, but you can't pinpoint what's wrong. I know I felt that way for many years. I I, yes. I couldn't pinpoint what it was because everything he said, like whenever I'd get upset or I'd feel like something wasn't right, he would say all the right things. Oh, I love you, I love you, I love you. And patch things up with his charm and, you know, ability to, to you know, to, to talk his way out of anything. And, you, you, you know, you just, you're in this state of, of total confusion, cognitive dissonance for years going, I don't know what it is, but something's off, something's wrong. And so you start lying to yourself about things. And whenever you do that, you just lose touch with, with yourself. Like you actually start... I think what started happening to me was what would ha- what happened to him as a kid. He disconnected from himself because he didn't want to feel and he didn't want to deal with reality. And you want to lie to yourself, and then you're even more miserable. But then they they turn all that into they like to find ways to make you believe that you're unhealthy and that they're the only one that understands you. And so that's kind of yeah. the last act in their whole scheme of things is to tell you that y- you're the they're the only one that can understand your issues. <laughs> And yeah. it's, it's manipulative. It does make you stop and think, you know, that they, you know, they, they kind of project their psychological issues onto you, have you start believing you have issues and that they're the only one that could possibly understand you and no one would ever love you like they do. And it's really just a manipulative, manipulative way to, to make sure that they have control and, and maintain control of you. Yeah, so. yeah. You know, so, because, look, one of our questions here, and it's a good one, Mm -hmm. you know, how, you know, does our society, does our society celebrate and reward narcissism? Absolutely. Absolutely. Our society, our current society, in my opinion, 
rewards it, celebrates it, promotes it. Uh, if you look at reality television, I mean, there's just one example. I grew up watching shows like Growing Pains and Facts of Life and Cosby Show, sitcoms, situational comedies that had actual you know, messages about being a good person and values and so forth. And they're, they're, those shows don't exist today. If they do, they're far and few between. But primetime television is all about reality TV. And what reality TV, the whole basis of reality TV is compete with others, stab them in the back if, if you need to, but don't let anyone get in your way in order to get ahead. Yeah. And that's narcissism. Narcissism is the abuse of power. Narcissism is somebody taking advantage of their position of power. So in a marriage, it can be a man or a woman. We often see men do this more than women just because of the gender roles. But I know of other marriages where the woman takes this power because she feels she can manipulate the man because of the commitment that they've made to one another. And it's really sad. I mean, um, taking advantage of a situation and abusing your power is something that I feel is, is, is taught and promoted and encouraged all over in, in the media and in television and, and movies. And it's, um, it's upsetting. I mean, it's, you know, you, even the younger generation growing up um, on, on computers, okay? I mean, they don't even have the creativity that, that we used to have. We used to read books and we would create characters and images in our own mind. And today they're, you know, spoon-fed everything. The creativity is, is not there and they have instant gratification. And the relationships they have, I don't know, I was reading something recently about it. It's like the hookup generation. They don't actually date or pursue relationships. It's about hooking up and, and the shallowness of that and, and the addiction that, that a lot of them have to pornography, which is a whole other topic. But I definitely yeah. think our society promotes it. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Look, I do too. And, you know, and I think that this is, and really, you know, history has shown so much narcissism for a long time. You know, mm-hmm. you look at your Hitlers and your Stalins and, and uh, you know, I'm a oh, bit of an yeah. astrology and a numerology buff, you know, and you can right. pick up this stuff in oh. astrology and numerology. And mm-hmm. it's really interesting how our major world dictators were all high-level narcissists. Yes, they were. Mm-hmm. They absolutely yeah. were. It's the abuse. And, you know, it, 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 it's going on in sports figures. It's going on in media. Oh. It's going on in politicians. It's, um, yeah. And, and really... You know, narcissism to me is a synonym for fear. Mm-hmm. It's everything that's a fearful act mm-hmm. of, you know, uh, taking with no peripheral or regard for the damage it causes right. is narcissistic. No, it's, it is. it is, And, you know, the sense of entitlement that people have, I think a prime example of it, and I, I know a lot of people are sick of talking about this, but if you watched any of Tiger Woods' apology, he says specifically in his apology that he felt he was entitled to these women, that he felt he earned it because he was who he is. And yeah. and that's one of the key indicators of a narcissist. They don't feel the rules apply to them. They feel that they're entitled to things like a king. And they're not grounded. I mean, when when society enforces and, and encourages and rewards that behavior, more and more people are going to do it. And and here Tiger Woods is out and out saying, I felt like I was entitled to it. I mean, he had no shame in saying that. And he meant it. Yeah. And I, I, you know, to a certain extent, okay, I'm glad he was 
honest, but, you know, why? Why did he not think he that the rules applied to him? Why? You know, he's married. If you don't want to be married and you want to sleep with several women, don't get married. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's not because you're Tiger Woods and you make all this money that you get the option of doing whatever you want because you're such a good golfer. I mean, that's just delusional thinking. The, the, a narcissist, a one way to think of, uh, a very good way to describe a narcissist when he tries to rationalize things is delusional. They do not think clearly or rationally. They think that the world owes them something and they're entitled to to things to the point that it makes it impossible to have a relationship with them. I mean, I know in my situation, I'm not sure about yours, but you know, my ex-husband did not feel that he needed to do anything around the house. I mean, he would look outside and laugh at the neighbors mowing their lawn and tell them to get get a life. He did absolutely nothing around the house, and when I asked him to, was, you know, upset that I would even ask him. When we bought our house, my dad came over to help me hang heavy mirrors and pictures, and my ex-husband sat in the bedroom, in the master bedroom with the door shut reading while my dad was hanging hanging these heavy, you know, they just, the sense of entitlement is, is just mind-blowing. They they don't think that they they think they're too good to do anything that is common. The biggest insult you can give a narcissist. That's so true. Yeah, the biggest insult you can give a narcissist is to say you're common. Both of oh, my ex narcissists, yeah. both of my ex narcissists said about you know having babies and breeding and so forth. They had no interest because they said breeding is common. Anyone can do it. Why is it so special? Why bother? Yeah. You know, and you know, that is a great point about the mundane stuff. And mm-hmm. I know this has done a lot of women's heads in. And, for example, my ex then, you know, like he was uh, very creative and very uh, amazing at uh, renovating and doing stuff. So he would do things, mm-hmm. but he would do them, like the, the heightened part of the activity, mm-hmm. to really get um, applause and acclaim and oh, would want people to come around and tell him how wonderful he was. <laughs> but when it came to finishing anything off and doing like the mundane details or the bits yeah. and pieces, yeah. He would go into a manic depression mm-hmm. and the narcissists that I've worked with actually told me that for them to do anything that did not solicit narcissistic supply and approval from it was just the most horrendous depression yeah. for them to actually do. The so no narcissists, mm-hmm. yeah, they, they leave incredible loose ends. They don't do mundane things. They're not good at looking after their bookkeeping. So, you know, everything's an agenda-based thing. So anything I'm doing, if I don't get attention, um, why do it? Why do it? They see no point in it. It's all about image, 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 image. And they don't see a point in doing something unless they're going to get some type of gratification or some type of validation for it. And otherwise, they, yeah, they there's no gratification for them. They they have no interest in doing that. And and that's the other thing with caring for others. Like they don't understand. I remember having a conversation with my ex-husband. He's like, you know, I really don't understand. Because one of my things was when I did finally realize that it was narcissism he was suffering from, and I challenged him on it, and, you know, it he had pretty much been thinking about that for a while I didn't even realize that we were going to couples counseling and his therapist said wow I'm surprised this is the first Lisa is 
is, is hearing of narcissism, since you and I talk about it so frequently, she said this to my ex, and I said, well, he's always joked about it. He joked about it from day one. I just never looked into the true meaning of it until recently. And the irony of it all is, is you know, I was reading over his shoulder. He told me I didn't pay enough attention to what he read anymore. Like when I first met him, I was very enthralled with what he read and all the philosophers he was interested in. And he was a history and English major. And just really, you know, they're, they're, they're very interesting. But I... Stopped. I got my own interests. I went back to school. I got my master's. I was doing things. But I remember when we were going to a therapist and I was trying to understand what he was escaping from. Because what a narcissist will do towards the end of a relationship is escape from his reality with you. Whatever he can do to live in a different world that's more exciting, he will do. So I was, I was pressuring him and saying, what is it you're escaping from? You know, at one point I even thought maybe he was gay, and I questioned him about that. You know, he assured me that he wasn't, but, you know, you get to a point where you're wondering, why is he denying his reality so much and escaping from his life with me? And, you know, you think it's your fault, so you want some answers. Well, I'm asking him questions, and he said, well, I have deep thoughts that you just don't understand. I said, really? And he's like, yes, religion, war, da-da-da-da, and if you paid more attention to what I read, maybe you would actually understand that. So that very night... When we went to bed, I, I paid attention to what he read, as he asked me to. And he was reading one of the first books on narcissism um, by Christopher Lash, The Culture of Narcissism in the Age of Diminishing Returns. And I read one paragraph, and I realized I need to look into the implications of narcissism on a relationship. And when I did, it explained everything to me about his behavior, our intimacy, everything that, that I was struggling with. And when I presented this that day at the therapist's office, she was just blown away that it's the first I really had been making an issue of it. And he, you know, he basically admitted that, you know, to a certain extent that he he does, he he, he didn't, we had some honest conversations, but that he didn't see the point in in doing things for others because what i what i he'd asked me is well you want to be in a relationship with someone who wants to make you happy and um it, it does it because they want to because the therapist was saying he'll never change i can the only thing we can do is sit here and i can give him ways of which he can appear to be more caring uh toward you but it will only be giving it will only be me giving him a list of things to do and it's not going to be on his own accord because he'll never change so my whole thing was I want to be with someone that actually wants to do those things because they love me, not because they're being told to. Yes, and yes, absolutely. he was so astounded by that. I remember he asked me, do you really expect to find somebody that's going to do things for you because they want to? I mean, don't most people yeah. do things for others because they want to look good? Yeah. That's how they see things. Everything is yeah, how do. it makes them look. You know, it's image, image, image. It's not from the heart. It's not authentic. It's it's sad. I feel sorry for them, actually, because, Definitely. you know, they don't have and the, the ability. Mm-hmm. And the sad thing is, is, you know, down the track, when you're doing genuine things, right. they don't trust it. No, they don't. They're wondering why you're doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. What's, what's your agenda behind it? Yes, yes. 
that's a very good point. Okay, so you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. Oh, yeah. I think you are. And I, I remember with my ex in, you know, he was, because um, he was a disheveled mess, you know, out in the world he looked very capable, successful, and you scratch under the surface and everything was a minefield of disasters. Mm. And if I if I did jump in to sort it out and help him, well, then, you know, I'd, I'd get really beaten up for that. And then if I stood back and did nothing, I'd get beaten up for that too. Oh, yeah, was, you can't do you know, anything right. No. You can't win. No. It doesn't matter what you do. And what's so mind-boggling is you go from being, you know, everything you do is perfect and all your little quirks are endearing and wonderful. You go from that to hardly being tolerated. Like, I literally felt as if he could hardly stand my existence. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's you know, but then when you ask them about it, no, I love you. They say everything that they need to say in order to keep you around. Because deep down, again, it goes it goes back to what a narcissist wants out of a relationship. They want you to be there to to provide ego stroking and to take care of them. So you know, even though my ex husband was pushing me away in so many different ways, he. He didn't want the divorce. He didn't want to lose that security blanket that he had of me, you know, handling the mundane, tedious things that he didn't want to handle and and being there to stroke his ego and cater to his needs. He didn't want to lose that. And 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 that terrifies a narcissist as much as, you know, um it's interesting because they 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 they're terrified of not being without that person, but then they also are terrified of a life of domesticity and, and being common and mundane. So it's like very difficult for them to ever really find any level of happiness. It's like they're always searching to fill a hole, a void that's never going to be filled. But, you know, in actuality, they they push people away when they need them desperately. It's kind of an irony. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, and it's almost like, isn't it, I want you to love me despite everything I'm doing to you. I remember yeah. my ex N used to say to me, will you just get over it and love me? Right. Yes. Yeah, they you just... just... Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So it's almost like it is. It's like that five-year-old child that is just outrageous in behavior yeah. who yeah. just wants mum to love him right. no matter what he's doing. Right, right, and, and that we should accept everything he does and be okay with it. They have, they and really just get over it. Why don't yeah. you get over it? Yeah. Right. I you remember know. with my ex N, he actually, um, he actually faked a cancer condition for two years oh, and falsified everything around it, and was apparently off and on dying of a melanoma cancer, and oh, played it out like a Hollywood actor. Oh it was, my god. Like, He'd go grey, he wouldn't eat, he'd oh. so I nursed him for two years. Oh. And 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 he had his whole family and even his children believing it. Oh my and god. And it was Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was really quite incredible and the jealousy and everything was through the roof. And I finally tweet that when uh the the jealous rampages were always coinciding and when I'd start standing up for myself then he'd go, Well look, I've just had the results and it's back in my liver and you know, so I'd feel like wow. the most horrible person in the world and then I'd just, you know, feel so guilty and then I'd wow. go back to 
giving him everything. And eventually I twigged and I caught him out and I did and I found it out in one day I tracked it like a bloodhound and I got to the truth that it was all lies and false administered, he was administering um, injections which were apparently for the cancer and it had nothing to do with it and so on and so forth. But anyway, I was supposed to get over that in two hours. Oh, you were supposed to get over that. Oh, After two years, two hours, two hours. So, you know, oh, he was incredibly remorseful for two hours. But the remorse was, and this was the astounding thing, and he really genuinely had no other way to look at it. Mm-hmm. The remorse was, I don't have to, well, you know, I'm sorry, but I'm relieved I don't have to live a lie anymore. You know, and that's really all he could get out of that. Right, because they can only think about themselves. So here, instead of realizing that he lied to you for two years, he's trying to get you to focus on the fact that, oh, what a relief, you know, you don't have to lie anymore and you don't have to do this. And, I mean, they cannot comprehend how anyone else feels. It is literally... I mean, when when I when 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 you say they have no empathy, they literally have zero empathy. It's not just oh, they're not very compassionate. It is there is a complete block there. There is no empathy. They have no ability to put themselves in someone else's shoes and see how that person may feel as a result of their actions. That does not exist in them. Yeah, you're and right. That's, that's the, the biggest component. The chip is missing. Yeah, that chip is missing. I think Jennifer Aniston said it about, not that I'm saying Brad Pitt is a narcissist, but she I remember her saying that the sensitivity chip is missing <laughs> in an interview she did somewhere. Yeah. But it's yeah. true. I mean, they don't have that sensitivity, but it's 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 so extreme. And, and, you know, some of the more infamous narcissists you see border on um, being a sociopath. I mean, there's a fine line between a full-fledged narcissist and a sociopath. Like now, narcissism, we should say, is on a spectrum. Every single one of us has narcissistic tendencies. It's part of our human nature. We all experience it as children. It's part of being a child. It's part of, you know, um, our development. But as I mentioned earlier, around five or six, we start to realize that other people outside of ourselves have feelings and we develop these more human, unique, higher level feelings that allow us to understand others. And what happens with the narcissist is, or well, that doesn't happen with the narcissist. They never experience that. And it's important that we understand like we're all narcissistic to a certain degree, but what what we're trying to educate people on and what we're trying to warn people about are those that fall to the far, far right end of the spectrum, the ones that are so narcissistic it's become pathological, which means it's become an illness to the point that it, 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 it's impossible to have a relationship with those people. And, and to the very far right end of this, that spectrum, there's a fine line between narcissism, a pathological narcissist, and a sociopath. And that fine line can be scary. You see some people like, I mean, Scott Peterson, Drew Peterson, like all of these people that you see that like off their wives because they just become an inconvenience. That to me is really when it borders on, you know, sociopathology. And look, I know I had that really, I had that really real fear that when I got out and uh, I know everybody around me thought that that's where I was going to end up. 
and there was a lot of times I thought that too. Really? So Oh god. Oh yeah. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's it was terrifying. hell on wheels. That's yeah, terrifying. It was terrifying. Mm. So what would your be advice be to a woman? And I know there's gonna be lots of people listening to this show and I know a lot of my clients are dealing with this. I see it everywhere. Mm-hmm. What is your advice to a woman if you identify that you are in a relationship with a narcissist? I think that you need to, you know, once you've identified that you're in a relationship with a narcissist, you need to ask yourself if for some reason you feel like staying in that relationship, you need to ask yourself why, what you're getting out of that relationship that you think you need. You need Because most likely it's destructive, it's unhealthy, and you need to get out. And you need to, you need to make a plan to get out, and you need to think through it. You need to make sure you have support. I wouldn't recommend confronting the narcissist about his narcissism until you've created an escape plan in some way, shape, or form, because a lot of times when you confront a narcissist and they realize you see them for who they really are, they can they can become quite upset and try to obtain control over the situation. So you want to make sure that you have a backup plan, a place to go, and you've you know, got the support you need before you really confront them full on about their narcissism because once they know you figured them out, they are going to get very terrified of losing you and they will try to do whatever they can to win you back. Now, even even after breaking free from the narcissist and maybe you know separating, divorcing, moving out, whatever it is, it it is very difficult to maintain that that uh, distance because you you got to understand you were once a source of supply, like a drug supply to them. You're like an addiction to them, and they're going to come back at you constantly to try to get validation. They don't care if it's good or bad. If you scream at the top of their lungs at them, they're going to get off on it. That's what you don't understand. Many women who leave narcissists don't understand, well, why do they keep coming back to me? It's not because they love you. It's because they need a reaction out of you, and you're their drug of choice. So even if you're screaming and yelling at them, they're going to get off on that. They don't care what kind of reaction it is as long as they get a reaction. The best way to make a narcissist go away is to have complete indifference to them. Do not respond to them. Do not acknowledge them. Do not validate them. Do not appear as if they phase you in any way, shape, or form because otherwise they will keep coming back for more. That's right. That is so, so right. And then, of course, there's a beating the addiction that you can have to them too. Which yes, we have a joint addiction, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, it's, Ours and that is a little part of it is awful. It's hard. It, it, We're it in love awful. with an image. I know, how many, mm-hmm. I know how many times it took me to get off that addiction myself. With it's very the, hard. Almost. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, and that's why women really need the resources and the education and the help you know, firstly to avoid it and then if it does happen to know how to get off it. Well, look, Lisa, we're nearly done, but look, can you tell people where they can find your book? Oh, certainly. Um, My book, uh, the name of it is It's All About Him and it can be found on Amazon.com, in Borders, bookstores, some local retailers, um, Barnes & Nobles, any of the online bookstores, and um, I have a message board with over a 1,000 registered members talking about their their struggles with trying to love a narcissist or break free from one, and, and that can be found at 
allabouthim.com. Well, do you know what? God bless you, my soul sister. Oh, God bless you, Mel. I'm so glad we did this. And you know what? I'm so glad we did. And you know what? I reckon you and I, we should get together on some more campaigning about this. I would love that. I would love that. Let's definitely discuss. I think we should be doing a regular. And you know, yes. we can get some people ring through and we yes. can get, some, you know, we can we can both help them. Because I'm passionate about this. Oh, I am too. I am too. And I, I love talking to someone that shares that passion. So... <laughs> Beautiful. All right, darling. Well, you have a beautiful night, and thank you so much for coming on. And and everybody, I hope you've enjoyed the show. We've had an awesome time doing this because, you know, people like Lisa and I, we're out there to save lives and help lives, and, you know, we got through it, and you can get through So, you know, and as always, please contact me if you feel you're with a narcissist and you need help, and... uh, Thank you so much for listening in and the people that will pick this up. And um, bye-bye.